Being an entrepreneur can be lonely. That's why I joined the Bra Network. That's the Business Relationships Alliance. Just like a good bra, the Bra Network lifts, gathers, and connects you to other like-minded entrepreneurial women with the knowledge that when we work together, we rise together. For me, the Bra Network provides the community, mentorship, collaboration, and empowerment I was looking for. From business, marketing, and finance courses to curated events to weekly Zoom meetups, the Bra Network works to advance women across the country. If you haven't joined, now's the time. Use your special code, WARRIOR, for your discount and join today at bra-network.com. That's bra-network.com. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome back, Warrior Women. I want to take a moment and thank you for all the DMs you send me on Instagram, the emails, and those five-star reviews. Share this podcast with anyone you think might need a boost today. I am here to help you access your inner warrior, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. I'm a mom of a teen and a tween, and now more than ever, I believe in the power of moms. Moms are natural-born leaders, innovators, and reinvention experts. Moms make great entrepreneurs, politicians, and creators. The two moms on my podcast today not only started a podcast together, but have reinvented themselves. One, the former Miss America, is reinventing herself after staying home with her kids. And the other, a pioneer of the personal fitness industry who paved the way for other personal trainers. Each had to learn new skills, talents, and discover their own unique gifts. I'm excited to share this conversation with you because... It mirrors some of my own journey, reinventing at 50. I started the podcast and now am studying and will soon be certified as a mindset and success coach. It's never too late to learn, grow, and reinvent. The only thing that stops us? Fear. Fear of what others think. Fear it won't be good enough. Fear of failure. Let me share a little secret with you. You're not going to live forever. I know. Shocking. Seriously, one day you will no longer be here. So why not play full out? Go big. And instead of asking, what if something bad happens? Ask yourself, how great can it get? How big can I take it? I'm rooting for you. Let me know what you're leaping towards or how you're reinventing. Email me at liz at lizswadek.com. On to our sponsor. Do you hate photos of yourself? Dread photo shoots? Have you ever said, I'm not photogenic? As entrepreneurs, we know that in this world of social media, podcasts, and self-promotion, we need photos of ourselves to connect with our audience. And unfortunately, many of us aren't happy with the photos we have. Kathy of Kathy Shoe Photography knows how hard it is to put ourselves out there and feel great in the process. Kathy believes it's not our job to be phonogenic. That's her job. 
and she couldn't be more right. I just had my portraits done with Kathy. Through her guided photo shoot, she not only made me feel comfortable, but she allowed me to see the next level version of who I'm becoming. The me I want to be. And that is everything. I ended up with tons of portraits that I love and I'm proud to share. If you're ready to elevate your photos and showcase yourself in a real and beautiful way, contact Kathy for a free consultation at kathyshuephotography.com. That's Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, shoe, S-C-H-U-H, photography.com. Use the code WARRIORWOMEN for $50 off your session fee and tell her Liz sent you. You'll be glad you did. Today on the show, a celebrity fitness guru and Miss America. That's right. The dynamic duo behind the top-rated Health Interrupted podcast are joining us today. Gina Lombardi is known as the wellness detective and is a frequent guest on entertainment and talk shows such as Extra, CBS News, and more. And she's the spokesperson for health publications and organizations like Health Magazine, Shape, Weight Watchers. Gina has had the privilege to work with many celebrity clients like Tom Cruise and Andy Garcia and Nicole Kidman, Kevin James, Leah Rimini. Oh my God, I love Leah Rimini. I love her, Gina. Oh my God. And because of her integrity, hard and unique ability to present the truth about health and fitness and offer realistic, attainable solutions. And then we also have Miss America herself, Laura Kepler. She was Miss America in 2012 and is an inspirational speaker, brand ambassador, media personality, and singer-performer. An at-risk youth advocate, Laura became the 86th woman to be named Miss America and second from the state of Wisconsin. In this role, Laura proudly traveled the nation as a goodwill ambassador for Children's Miracle Network's hospitals and visited the White House. She has worked with the military, the USO, presented live performances for the members of the United States Armed Forces and their families. Laura has been featured on many talk shows, countless publications, but today, Laura and Gina are here with me. Welcome to the show, Laura and Gina, Gina and Laura. My God, you did not take one breath on that entire thing. (laughs) No, that was impressive. (laughs) I I don't think I did take a breath. Hold on, let me take a deep breath. I've been gasping for air myself for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, you guys are, I rarely do I introduce two people. You know, normally I just have one lady on this podcast, not two. That's right. This is yeah. weird. Is this your first um, dual no, interview? No, it's not my first, but I don't do them often because I really like to like, just like focus on one woman, but I just love you guys together and I love your podcast. So we're just going to do it and we're going to have a three-way. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Okay. Congratulations on the success of Health Interrupted. But before we um, want to talk about that, I, I know you guys, but I don't know you like so, so well that I haven't made some interesting questions for myself so I can know even more. Tell me a little bit about little Laura and little Gina. What did you dream you would grow up to be? Gina, you're going first. Oh, my God. Well, I always thought that I was going to be a musician. Oh. Go figure that. Okay. Right? Obsessed with music as a kid. Played a bunch of different instruments. My whole family was were our musicians. My dad, my mom. My mom played the harp. Who plays the harp? Like, oh and it makes God, so much serious. sense. Such an angel. You know, and my first two years of college were music. And then all of a sudden, er, put the brakes on and I was talking to my dad and he said, you know, like, how are you going to really get a real job doing music? You know, I mean, this was a long time ago. (laughs) 
And so wound up following in his, in his footsteps and went into dentistry, of all things, because he was an oral surgeon. So that was my path. What did you think you would grow up to be? Like, were you thinking, I'm going to be a rock star? Or like, what, what were you like? Oh, totally. Like, I would be in a band and I play keyboards and I don't sing very well. So, I mean, I, I, I have a good ear, but I just don't have a great voice, you know? So I figured I'd just stick to the keyboards. So yeah. that, that was, yeah, I really thought that's what I was going to do. Well, you know what? Now you're like, you know, you're not a rock star, but you're a podcast star. So there you go. But, um, but I'm working with rock stars. And you're working with rock stars. You train <gasps> rock stars and you interview <laughs> rock stars. Okay, Miss Laura, what about you? Well, I never had those dreams of like rock, being a rock star or anything like that. I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have that, but I did think that I was going to do something with music from a very young age. I always sang and I took voice lessons from a very young age. And I always thought that I would be a choir teacher and then that I would have a private music studio on the side in the evenings or, and on the weekends. And from school, I would gather my students and then they'd take lessons in my private studio. And I did that for quite some time, but I had a teacher who was very successful at that. She taught at the school. She had a really successful music studio. And I always thought that's what I would do. Well, you kind of are doing that. And I kind of did and do. Yeah. You kind of did did that. (laughs) Well, Laura, in 2012, you became, like we said, the 86th woman to be named Miss America and the second from the state of Wisconsin. You traveled the nation as a goodwill ambassador for the Children's Miracle Network hospitals and visited the White House. You work with military, the USO. Tell me, I mean, listen, we all have these dreams to be Miss America. We all kind of, I I cannot tell you how many pageants I watched with my mother where we tried to guess and then we would just straight die over the last like three that were holding hands on the stage. Like it's, it's, you know, it's just the greatest thing in the world as an audience viewer. Yeah, it's Um, fun. I can't even imagine what you really actually have to go through. But I kind of want to know from you, what is the best thing about being Mrs. Miss America? And what is the worst thing? Like, give it to me straight, Laura. I'll give it to you straight. Well, the first thing is that I kind of fell into it later in life. Like I was graduating college. I needed a way to pay for student loans. So it wasn't something that I grew up wanting to be. So I didn't idolize it in the way some young girls may. And I think that contributed to my success, truthfully, because I kind of had a fresh perspective about it. And the best thing was honestly being able to travel the entire country and meet so many different amazing people, work with so many different amazing organizations. You listed just a few. I would visit children's hospitals. I visited military bases. I worked with at-risk kids who had children, who had parents in prison. So I really felt like I was doing meaningful things, really meaningful work. And it was very fulfilling. And it was fun. I mean, it was so fun. I got to travel the entire country. I was in a different city or state every couple of days. Said Laura. I mean, my God, that. Well, that's. (laughs) Let me get to the worst part. (laughs) Okay, I feel like I'm ready. It was no, it was exhausting, and you know, it wasn't glamorous a lot of the times. I mean, you know, I have like the most hilarious photos of me like schlepping bags from the airport into taxis to and fro because there's a lot of travel involved and it's a not Miss America is a nonprofit. So just leave it at that. So it wasn't always glamorous, a lot of fun. And the worst part was that 
there is a lot of confusion in the world of pageants. And at the time, Miss USA was really big. And so there was a lot of like, oh, are you Miss USA? What's it like to work for someone who ran that organization? And um, who shall not be named? That person that I can't utter his name. Yeah. And so, you know, I felt like I was doing a lot of meaningful things, but the general public still kind of use it as a beauty pageant. And so the, the, the worst part was to kind of have my intelligence compromised daily in interview or questioned by by the way question all the time right like oh you right. can't possibly be smart just because you are miss you're miss america you got to be like a complete dodo bird right yes and yeah. so that was the hardest part yeah well that's you know that's really interesting because you're right the people who idolize it i mean especially the people who are you know from you know, the Midwest and they've maybe been doing the pageants the whole life and they really, you know, and they have a, a great respect for the organization. That First of all, that's a lot of pressure. By the time you actually get to that level, you're probably so stressed because you want it so bad. So that was a really kind of lucky thing that you didn't have that. But right. also interesting because as much as we do, you know, love to watch it or whatever, you're right. There's like a farcical element to it that we make fun of, right? But meanwhile, you're doing these actual things like, going with the USO and the White House and you're doing these actual, I don't know, more kind of like governmental ambassador-like things, not jokey, I I just have my press on nails and I'm going to roll in here. You know, like you, you can't do that stuff and be a dummy. No. And the, I think the difficult, the hardest part is, is that the general public only sees the one night of the pageant that's aired and televised. And then there's this whole year after that obviously tries to be conveyed through press, but it, you can't get the whole scope of what you're doing. And so that's, it's not really anyone's fault because the real picture can't be shown unless you're like, well, they want to show you all year pulling your long. suit. That's why Laura. <laughs> I would I imagine there's a lot of high heels too. Can you imagine yeah. with your rolling bag? Like yeah. that's not really the Miss America they want us to see, right? You with your rolling bag, just like, oh, but that's real. You know, like that was, that's, that was the real thing. That was the truth. So. Yeah. Well, I love that you just shared that. Cause that's really, that's an interest. Like, I love thinking about it like that, like the behind the scenes things. That, and also just like, literally like you almost need to write a book, Laura, like literally the day after I was Miss America. Yeah. Like meaning like, Yay. Okay. Here we go, Laura. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> and so many women feel that way. Like a lot of my friends who have gone before, we all kind of share the same experience. So it's interesting, but it was great. I love it. Okay. Well, I know you're grateful that it, you even had the experience. Absolutely. Miss Gina, before becoming a celebrity fitness trainer, you said it before, you were a dental hygienist. Talk about a left current. How did you make that career change? Because that is definitely not like like a, like a linear little career change, Gina. And how did you get so many celebrity clients for God's sakes? Do you have Tommy Cruz's number? Cause I I'd like to call him and say hi. <laughs> well, I know, right. What was I thinking? A dental hygienist, but I did wind up working for my dad for a few years. And when I moved out here, I don't know if anybody knows this, but in every state in the United States, you have to take a board exam because you have to be licensed, registered and licensed to work in every state. As a dental hygienist? Yes. Well, this is another thing people get confused about. Like a dental assistant is nothing like what a registered dental hygienist is. As a registered dental hygienist, we have a lot of expanded duties. 
that varies from state to state. So for example, in Pennsylvania, where I'm from and in California, I can give anesthesia, I can give injections, I can give nitrous, and I can do some forms of curatage, which is like gum, you know, some minor gum surgery type things. And of course, just cleaning teeth and stuff like that. So yeah, but you know what? It, It all worked out, Liz, because my schooling in dental hygiene was so extensive and so medical that when I decided to change careers when no one was a personal trainer. Yeah, no. Um, I think I've told you this before. Um, it was me and two other people, Jake Steinfeld and Pete Isaacson. We were the only people ever training anyone. And we were doing it out of the studios here. We kind of paved the way for that for the whole movement of personal training. But my education as a hygienist made me so marketable. Because I already had such an in-depth knowledge of the body, you know, because you have to take a couple years of anatomy and physiology, and then you specialize in head and neck anatomy, and then you specialize in microbiology and physiology and all these things that you wouldn't think you'd need to know to work on teeth, but you do. Well, lucky (laughs) for you. Yeah. So I was, you know, kind of started doing both at the same time. I was working in a practice in Brentwood. And there were a lot of celebrity patients there. I was going back to school at UCLA for to be a, a coach. I was kind of keeping tabs on who my clients were. I mean, patients were, because I knew eventually I would be talking to them about training. And the dentist I was working for was so awesome. He was my first client, actually. Oh, my so God. I, I trained him. And then he started sending me celebrity patients. And so that's how I started getting celebrity clients. Oh my God. And there was a huge demand for it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, it's also no joke. Like when I think you and I love to talk about this all the time about like my favorite thing in the world is to beat myself up. Like if I have (laughs) one wrong move, like I eat like a piece of cake. Right. And then I'm like, I screwed up the whole week. Like I love how we went over this. Like I'm just going to, I'm just going to take the whole week to just keep being bad, Gina. I'm not going to recover at the next meal. Like you told me to do smartly. Hello. Right. Liz, like it's what, that was one second. Like just now at dinner, be cool. Like, I'm like, oh really? I don't have to like kick my own ass the whole week and eat more cake the whole week. Okay. I know. But like, yeah, you learned. I know. But there's so many things that we don't realize. These celebrities look amazing. Obviously they look really, really good, but that's usually when they are trained for a movie doing press. I mean, they are they are even taking it to an extreme that we probably aren't as regular people might not take it to. So like people don't realize like how much work that actually is and what that yeah. really takes to be someone like Nicole Kidman and just be like, mm-hmm. let me lay on this bed naked and have every camera from every angle look at my butt. And you know what? You know whose butt that is? It's Gina's butt. Gina. <laughs> I take ownership of that butt. <laughs> butt by Gina. <laughs> oh, I, I, I stamped that on everyone. That. <laughs> Isn't it weird to think of a world, like a Los Angeles world, where there are only three personal trainers? I can't. Yeah. I can't even th- It's like mind boggling. No. Who, we're talking like 1989. That's what we're talking. Okay. Well, I, I want to know. You, you can tell us. We won't tell anyone. Okay. What's your favorite celebrity client? Oh. <gasps> Uh, you know, uh, oh, I have a few, but one of my really all-time favorites is Kevin James. Mm. Why? Why? He seems he like was, he'd be the most fun human alive. But tell just me. 
so freaking hilarious every second of every day. I just, I, I can't even, just every day was something hilarious. So you know, he's he a big guy. Get out of working out, would, would he try to joke his way out of not working hard? Because that's <laughs> what I would do. No, it was more the funny stuff was just when he was just being normal, like just talking to me. But just what he was saying, like, and everything that came out of his mouth was so funny. But one time we were, I was stretching him on the floor and, you know, I'm small. I'm like five, four, 120 pounds. And, you know, he's, he's like five, 10, five, 11, I think. And, um, you know, a couple hundred pounds. <laughs> and at the time he was, you know, overweight because that's what made him funny Right, they wanted him a little fat and sassy. And he loves to eat. And I'm trying to do this like like knee to chest stretch on him. And I was literally had all my weight on him. And he just goes, gee, 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 stop, stop, stop. He goes, you're just too small. (laughs) You're just just too small. Because like I had all of my weight on him and his leg wasn't moving (laughs) because he was so big. (laughs) But just every day... Every day. Every day with the zingers. Well, this, listen, that's when going to work is a happy experience. Oh, I used to drive to people's, well, I still do, drive to people's, well, not since COVID, but to their house. And on the way, I would say out loud, can't believe I'm doing this. That's so cool. Like, it really was. Like, you know, the gates would open at someone's house and I'm <laughs> going up to this manse, you know, and I'm like, this is really fun. Yeah. Really, really fun until yeah. you get that one celebrity, you know. Okay, the so one don't that tell me, don't tell me the name, obviously, but give me, give me that one celebrity, like where you were like, please, Jesus, let this end. Oh well, sometimes I have to end it yeah. because, yeah, because I, I won't work with somebody that's that has a lot of negative energy around them. <laughs> yeah. But this one in particular, it was a guy. I won't say who it is, but. I was asked to come over to this hotel at like nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, why the hotel? The person lives in LA. Well, he likes to hang out at this hotel in Hollywood, right? Okay. So I go to this hotel, go to the suite. I mean, it's nine o'clock at night. Okay. I've been up since like 4.30. But I go, because you know, when you work with celebrities, you have to be willing to be available. Maybe they're shooting all day and they have to do night. Like things happen. Sure. Absolutely. And, um... I went in, first of all, kept me waiting 45 minutes. All right. Maybe he was doing something important. Not. Then I saw he had two assistants, a male and a female. The female comes in crying, grabs her stuff and leaves. Oh, that's a good sign. I'm like, what? And then the male assistant comes in and he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, she just quit. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, he just yelled at her. And there was all this drama going on, all these shenanigans and stuff. And I'm like, oh boy. At that moment, I was like, I need to get out of here now. You know? So while I was sitting there with him doing like what I normally do in my first session, which is a long medical history and a lot of questions so I can get as much data as possible, he lights up a cigarette. (laughs) And we're like in a hotel room, right? Mr. Fitness. I'm like... What? Like none of it made sense, right? So I just finished what I was doing. I left. The producer called me the next day. I said, I'm sorry. I can't take this person on as a client. It was just, everything about it was wrong. Well, also you could probably just tell it was going to get worse from there. It's like, if it's starting starting crazy like that, then the crazy is going to come even uh, 10 times, right? Like if that's just the beginning, like, can you imagine like, where is it really going? Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right, Laura, I want to talk to you. You were... 
You were a mom for five years, home with your son, and you realized you wanted to get back working again and build your career, which can be really overwhelming. There are so many women who, you know, take that time off. And even now, like a lot of, you know, there's a big she session going on, women leaving the workplace in droves because they got to take care of their kids. And now, oh, wow. Okay. Now some of the kids are back in school. Here I go again. How did you push through insecurities, get out of your own way and get back into the game of being a working mom? It's hard. You know, I think every mom can relate at some point. And I'm so grateful that I had that time home with my older son and I was there every step of the way. And even with my younger son during the pandemic, we've spent the last year and a half home together all the time. And I'm really grateful for that. But my perspective has shifted a little bit in that I want to show my boys that mom works too. And that's really kind of been a driving factor for me. In addition to, you know, being passionate about what I'm doing and and wanting to have that for myself. But I had some real insecurities and Gina and I talked a lot about them. We forget, I think, all the things we do as moms. And one day I was like, it's not like I've been sitting in my closet for the last five years. Like, I don't, like if can anyone multitask better than a mom? Hello. No, like that's our superpower. And so I really had to realize that like, I was just in my own head. I was in my way. And one day I just kind of said, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And if I have some uncomfortable feelings, I know that'll pass. And I just kind of pushed through and realized that what I wanted to be doing was worth more than the insecurity that I was feeling. It's hard as moms, like if you're home for a long time and you want to get back into the the workforce, there's a lot that's up against you. You know, what does your resume show for the last five years? That work isn't really valued in an outside of the home work setting. And so I think it's hard to translate those skills in our head, but holy cow, we have a lot of them, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's both, right. It's the inertia and Gina can speak to this too. I mean, we've all had those times where we've been like home with kids, like even, even if it's for a brief time, we just have to be for some reason, but the inertia you get when you're home for a certain amount of time, and then you're getting back into things again, you can almost just psychologically mess with yourself and be like, Oh, all these people know so much more than you. They, they are, they've got, they got the jump on you. You're never going to catch up. You don't have anything. And then society tells us like, you don't have anything to offer because you're just a mom. Oh, guess what? I have never said more since working with Simona from moms in office. I've never believed more that moms need to be running for office. It's moms <laughs> who need to be president moms. We are 100%. the ones. We are the multitaskers. We are the ones with the heart. We are the ones with the conscience. We care about other people. We want to pull other people up. We are the ones who need to be running everything. And we get it done. And we can get it done. Yeah. And how many time, how many good split decisions do you make in a day? Probably like 150. Mm-hmm. Like we're good on the spot in emergencies, all of that stuff. Yeah. Because we, we're doing so many things. We have so much experience. We do. And you know, for those of us who are moms that didn't have nannies. And because we never did, and we had no family out here. So, you know, both Kevin and I working, juggling Gunner, 
and always being with him. Rarely we even had a babysitter. Um, that was hard, but we did it. And it just made us stronger. You know? Gunner is a exceptional human being. I've told you this a hundred times, Gina. Gunner uh-huh. Sizemore. The, I'm such a fan of Gunners. I can't wait to see what that kid does in this life. <laughs> and Laura, like we, you and I need to say our prayers every night that our boys turn out literally anything like Gunner. Oh, I know. It's because so true. He's amazing. But Laura has the cutest, like she brings her babies sometimes to the Zooms and I, oh. I do not want a baby. Like, like this is funny. <laughs> I want you to ask any woman who's really done having children, do you want to have any more children? No. No. God, right. no. The answer, yeah. so they don't actually let you get to the end of the... No. No. <laughs> uh, of course, it's like a woman who's still thinking is like, I don't know. But when I see Laura's baby, I literally oh. am like, I don't know. That baby is so cute. <laughs> is he delish? Good, Laura. King and George. King George, because he is honestly the best baby in the world, too. Like, that's the clincher, is that he's not only so cute, He's literally an angel baby. No, he's chill. I had I had no idea they exist, but they do. And <laughs> in the form of George. Yes. You got a lottery winning baby. Congratulations, Laura. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I want to know, Gina, we're coming out of the real COVID-19. And you know what I'm talking about? Gaining 19 pounds in COVID. That's what I'm talking about. And listen, I was really good. You saw me during COVID. I was working out. I'd love yeah. Then I went to Cancun to celebrate the COVID being over and having double vaccines. Guess what? I'm back on the weight train. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I have to get back and stop. Anyway, oh my God. a lot of people need a reset right now. A lot of people, a lot of women are beating themselves up right now. They gain the COVID-19. They're not feeling good. They feel super overwhelmed. Give us some tips how we can kind of get back in the game, lose weight, get healthy again if we have seriously gone off the rails. Like give us some baby steps, G. I got your back. I got your back. Well, you know, we always say focus on the little victories. You've heard that term many, many times. And you as a podcast host, you probably have had many guests on. Well, I've listened to all your podcasts, so I know you have, where a lot of people have said that to you already. But it is so true because if you can just not do one thing or do one thing in a day that helped you get a little further towards your goal, that you should be really happy about that. But I am going to give you three things to do. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Got my, got my All right. And you really got to just try. Okay. Yeah. Just try, Liz. I know where you okay, live. Don't make, me, don't make me come over there. Oh, okay. No, I want you to come over. <laughs> I want you to try. Okay, I'll come over. Okay. <laughs> try not snacking in between meals. Okay. Try just that one thing. Try not snacking in between meals because. If you eat a good solid meal, and this is what I teach with my clients, and Laura knows this, I give you four categories. You're going to pull one item out of those full categories. I'll tell you what they are. And you make one meal and it's got to be portioned and measured. And I know people don't want to count calories, so it's easier to just measure stuff. So if it's, let's say it's a 150 pound woman, I'm just using that as a round number, okay? 150 pound woman, let's say, you're going to need five ounces of protein, chicken, turkey, fish, something lean. And then you're going to have one and a half cups of vegetables. You're going to, from another column, you're going to pick a complex carb. So that would be like a sweet potato, you know, oatmeal, something that's complex carb, not sugary. Okay. And then, and then you're going to pick a fat. And for a 150-pound woman, let's say, you would want about 10 grams of fat. So you have a protein, a veggie, a carb, and a fat, 
put it together, you make a meal, you should not be hungry in between meals. I was meals. just going to say, it's almost like because we don't, ha- like, for example, if I just have a big plate of pasta, right? Even if it has some chicken on chicken on it, I may be full in that moment, but then like maybe at like 10 o'clock, I'm like, ooh, I want a little something, right? Or I'm going to keep eating some bread because I'm just mindlessly eating. I'm at a restaurant. I'm just going to eat the garlic, you know, the bread. I'm going to keep the bread going. If you have a meal like that, you're going to feel really full. Yes, which leads to my next thing that I was going to say is try eating, start eating a little bit later. And this is interesting because they teach this in Overeaters Anonymous. Oh, really? If you eat a little bit later, then you'll be having dinner a little bit later, like 7.30, possibly 8 o'clock. You are not going to eat. want to eat after that because later is usually when everybody binges. And it's also a form of intermittent fasting if you really look at it, because if you go from by the time you go to bed, like let's say 1030 or even midnight and you get up at seven, well, you've been fasting, right? For seven hours. Well, if you wait until 11 to have breakfast, you've done intermittent fasting. Mm. Okay. So now you're going to get three meals. You're going to get lunch. You're going to get a mid-afternoon meal and then dinner, and you're not going to want anything else. Yeah. It works. Okay. I'm yeah. Okay. It really that? does work. And then the third thing. Yeah. Okay. And you got to try again. Okay. I would love to see you getting 15,000 steps. Not every day, three days a week. I'd have to go to Disneyland, Gina. That's the only place I've ever got 15,000 <laughs> steps. I'm not going there even when they open. I got to be honest. I know. Or you got to walk all up and down Woodland Hills, like the whole area. I okay? mean, the entire, like I got to go from Calabasas. Right, to Sherman Oaks to and back. Kardashian and go all the way down to like the Sherm, Sherman Oaks, as I call it, the Sherm. Right, but you can't hit every donut shop on the way. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, damn. But if you get 15,000 steps in three days a week, 15,000 steps is six miles. Oh. Okay. Okay. Kevin and I do this three days a week. We do we do six miles three days a week. And then on the other days, it's a little easier. You can get between eight and 10,000 steps. So just by doing these three things that I just gave you, you will immediately see results. And it's it's doable and maintainable. It's yeah. not something crazy. I'm not asking you to like only eat grapes or something. You know, it's it's really doable. Okay, but Gina, what about the wine? What if you need an alcoholic beverage, Gina? Like, don't think that my warrior women over here, we're not on to you. We are, are <laughs> let me just speak for all of you ladies. I'm on it. Don't worry about it. Got you. <laughs> what about- I'm sorry. It's a bad connection. Exactly. I can't hear you. <laughs> exactly. Okay. What? I know you don't want us to have a cocktail or a glass of wine or champagne or something, a martini, but if you just had to let us have a little something, Gina, what is the best of all the worst options? The best of all the worst is spirits because they don't have carbs. So that's like a vodka, a rum, a this or yes. that. But you don't want to yeah. come with like a juice, do you? I mean, I'm just asking. No. See, the bad part, is, this is why wine is not the best thing, because it's loaded with sugar. Oh, and I think okay. we were talking one day, and Laura mentioned that I had gotten her on dry farm wines. We talked about this. Yes. And it's it's extremely low sugar, like almost no sugar. Okay, dry farm wines. I'm going to put this in my little show notes here. Okay, dry farm wines. Yes, and it's a great company, like family-owned business in California, and they handpick wines that 
have no sugar. And some of them have low alcohol because, you know, alcohol has a lot of cal. Alcohol, I mean, alcohol has almost as many calories per gram as fat. Oh. So uh- carbs have four calories per gram. Proteins like chicken have four calories per gram. Am I losing you guys? No, no, I'm okay. fine. Alcohol has seven calories per gram and fat has nine calories per gram. Okay. Wow. So when you drink alcohol and it's got sugar in it, mm-hmm. it's going to get stored as fat like that. So really, okay. So then what's an ideal drink? Are you talking about like, like a like vodka a sh- soda? Yeah. Like something clean, right? Like, or like a skinny margarita because you're not using the, you know, all the yucky. The mix and the stuff. The mix, yeah. yeah. The other thing, like a diet tonic water and gin or vodka. Okay. That's doable, like with one shot. Or a martini, because that's really just like the alcohol. That's like nothing in it, really. Exactly. A martini is a good choice. Unless it's like a pink lady or something that's got all that oh, sugar in it. Don't try to take away all my fun, Gina. I'm sorry. And then they <laughs> dip then they dip the glass in sugar. I know. And it's terrible. like so pretty. But the sugar-free wine really tastes good too. Like if you really like the taste of wine, it doesn't disappoint you in that regard. I had no idea that wine had so much sugar in it. Yeah. And if you're really trying to eat clean, you know, it's just going to ruin it. Okay. Can we get sciencey for a second? Yes. Okay. Alcohol is the only thing that permeates a cell membrane. Okay. Carbohydrates don't, you know, water doesn't. So... If you're drinking alcohol and there's sugar in it, I can- I Sugar can, in your cells. Yes, but it's going to wind up being fat, okay? Like immediately. So, yeah, but le, le, let's play this game for a second. You're sitting on the bench in Calabasas in the commons and you're watching people, right? And you see people walking by, you see men, you see women. I'll bet you $100 you can pick out who drinks a lot of alcohol. Because it's going to be all right here in their middle. Mm. They're going to have either a beer belly or they're going to look like an apple. Mm. If they're a female, they're going to have a little bit of a, I call it the alcohol gut. Yeah. I'm serious. Because as soon as they stop drinking, and I've had so many clients over the years that drank themselves, drank every night, like one lady, two bottles of wine a a night by herself. Oh, that's Mm. a lot. Well, this was after she found out that her husband was was having an affair with her best friend for six years. Okay, then she can have that. That's fine. Yeah, so she got a pass for a little while. Laura and I just said, Laura and I I just went like, yes, fine, fine for her. (laughs) So as soon as like we tapered her down first and then got her to zero, by that, that took a few months. Yeah, it took a few months. The weight just, oh my God, just came right off. Oh my God. Because she was a clean eater. Yeah, well, you know what? No, but that's what that's, I'm not a bad eater, but I definitely, I definitely, drink too much sugar. Okay. Ladies, I want to get onto the podcast. I want to talk about health interrupted. Knowing not much about podcasting at all. You guys literally launched this health interrupted podcast. It's become a huge success. What has been the hardest thing about starting a podcast and what do you love about it? You Laura, go- you go first. Yeah. Laura, you go first. Okay. The hardest thing was like you said, not knowing anything about it. And feeling like, can we actually do this? It was like a whole, there was such a learning curve that had to happen. But also for me, I had massive, is it imposter syndrome? We talked about that on more than me once because the podcast is called Health Interrupted and we're all interrupted in life and it's inevitable. But 
we're talking about fitness and nutrition and health. And Gina's had a 30 year long, amazing career in that field. And so for me, I kind of was like, well, what am I bringing to this? Because I'm not the expert in that. But again, once I realized like, that's only in my head, no one else's and kind of got into the Laura, you're us. So like, you're the, you're, that's what I always say to everyone. I'm, I'm the audience person. I'm UP. I'm you warrior women. I ask the questions like, you don't want me to go through this whole thing with Gina and talk about celebrities and not ask her who the awesome, most awesome celebrity. I know you want to know who she trained that is a celebrity and you want to know a story. I'm not that stupid. Hello. But by the same token, when you're with Gina and if she's spouting off some expertise in one thing or another, by the way, you probably know a lot more than you think. Right. But you also are us, right? You're asking the questions like, well, Gina, I don't know if that's true because when I did that, that didn't work. (laughs) Well, and that's what we figured out is the beauty of our relationship is that I, I, I do have quite a bit of knowledge in fitness and nutrition because I've worked with Gina for almost 10 years now. So I realized that, but also I have been on the train trainee side of it and she has been on the trainer side of it. And so we, we complement each other well. And then what do I love about it is we are meeting so many people who have had sometimes traumatic experiences and I'm learning so many ways that they have overcome and applying that inspiration to my own life. I'm really learning from our guests and really becoming empowered to, to do more in our, you know, I'm learning like we're so much more capable than we think we are. And if these people that we're talking to have had incredibly tragic experiences happen to them, if they can do X, Y, and Z, we can too. So it's been really, really inspiring and rewarding. And I also think, you know, so much of your podcast is about reinvention. It's just, yes. about, you, know, you get this interruption, but you're really fi- trying to find out from people, but what happened after, <laughs> right? Yes. Like you didn't just like have this interruption, this health thing happened to you. And then you just laid down and you were like, well, that was fine. I'm done. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> that would not be a podcast, you know, That'd be the <laughs> worst podcast ever. <laughs> that would be the worst podcast <laughs> of all time. But you are really, you really get out of them. Like, how did you do it? Like, how did you reinvent? How did you pivot? How did you gather the strength, frankly, to like move past it. Gina, what's been the best and worst for you? It's funny because when we first started having like meetings about this, you know, over over FaceTime, because we've been in COVID for so long, um, I think it was like back in September, right, Laura? It was a while ago. And we would spend hours like on a Sunday trying to research and figure out how to do a podcast. I mean, we now when I look back, I'm like, we look probably look like such idiots. But that was our process because we knew nothing about it. That to me is hilarious because now, just like you, because I could tell when you sent, you know, when you sent out your email to us, I'm like, oh, she does this in five seconds flat, probably. We're on in such a groove now that it's comfortable. But it took us a while to get there. Like we used to have work sessions on Sunday mornings because like the kids were her kids were taken care of and my boys were busy or whatever. And we'd, we'd be on for like four or five hours on a Sunday morning. Do you remember that? And we, but, out. but we would do like the most mundane things that we didn't need to spend four hours on. <laughs> that was we didn't know what we were doing yet. Like, <laughs> and what I... Yeah, but what I love about it is Laura. She is the best. Not only is she such an amazing person and friend, 
she she's so good. I mean, sometimes I'll be sitting there, we'll be interviewing someone and, she, and it's not on our script of questions. And she'll come out with like, boom, 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 like three questions in a row. And I'm like, and so well said and formulated and thought out. And I'm like, she just rattled that off of the top of her head and they were brilliant. Like she does that all the time. That's awesome. And it's, it's fun for me because I'm just, I'm just seeing her going from being a little bit scared to get back in the workplace to being a superstar again. And yeah. it's, it's really great, Thanks. you know, and on top of that being an amazing mom, because she will say, you know what, we just did, you know, two hours. I have to go be with my boys, you know, and that's, that's really yeah. You guys Priorities. are so good together. You guys are so good together. I think that's, you know, and it, it's like a little marriage. It has to really work. And it does take like some time to kind of like not step on each other's words and like, are you asking that question, Gina? No, Laura, you do it. Like, you know, just all that dumb stuff. But like, once you start rolling and you, you start to know when the other person's going to do something and you start to, then you start to get like silly, like I do and get in the room and be really nuts. And I've, I've heard you guys do that and I'm loving it. I'm loving all your podcasts. I love, I, I love that one girl who is it? Jesse. Jesse Graff. Jesse Graff. Yeah. yeah. The Ninja Warrior. Yeah. I really like yeah, that. She was, she's amazing. I'm going to put that link in the, just to that specific episode. Cause I really, really like, she's a, she's a, um, was she in wonder woman? That's what she, how I know her. Right. Yeah. She was a stunt woman in wonder woman. And she's, she's also on American Ninja warrior, the TV series. That's what it is. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she's one, like she's beat out like men consistently. I mean, yeah, she's had surgery after surgery after surgery, and she still gets back up. She's amazing. Oh, my God. She gets knocked down. She gets up again. That's my theme song. What exciting guests do you have coming? I'm sure you've got some people lined up. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do what? Laura, do you want to tell her about Ashley? Yeah, we have a friend of mine who was Miss DC the year that I was Miss Wisconsin. So we both went to Miss America together and she's on the Real Housewives of Potomac, but she talks about, uh, she's opened up a lot about having postpartum depression. Oh, what's her name? Ashley what? Ashley Bolch was her maiden name, but now she's Ashley Bolch Darby. And she has two little kids, two boys. She just had a baby. But she talks about having postpartum depression and we haven't talked about that yet. So we're really excited about that because so many women can relate to that. Oh my God, yes. Such an important topic to talk about. And our friend Tanya Newbold, who's been on the podcast, is a postpartum depression coach because we've realized women actually need coaching coming out of that, it's really hard to transition from having that, that going through PPD or being a family, a person supporting someone with PPD that is like, and getting back to work and all the things, you know, just trying to be a normal person after you've been kind of hit with that. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to talk to Tanya too. Yeah. You got to have Tanya on. Okay. Well, guess what? We're going to the speed round now. It's time to party. All right. And I already know the first question for Gina, so it doesn't even matter. Cocktail of choice, Gina. (laughs) Well, I like, you're going to be so bored. This isn't going to be a snooze fest. I love all kinds of waters, sparkling waters, but um, get me a good one with this interesting flavor or just sparkling water with lemon and a pinch of Himalayan pink sea salt. Love it. However, there's one exception. If I am in Japan, I will have sake with my Japanese friends. Okay. But that's the only time, you know, one shot. No carbs. Good to go. Oh my God. Laura, what about you? Cocktail of choice. I will give you the alcoholic cocktail of choice. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> God help us. I mean, no, the alcohol included cocktail of choice. I love wine, but if I were to have a cocktail, I would have a very, very, very dirty Tito's martini with three olives and a splash of Tabasco sauce. Oh, that is the first time I'm hearing of this. And it is so good. I doesn't sound say- good. Doesn't sound good, but no, it is. that does sound good because it sounds sort of like a Bloody Mary to me. Kind of, but it's not so like t- no, salty. Bloody Mary's like a meal. You know, yeah, it's 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 just good. What's dirty? What's dirty? I don't even know these things. That's when you put the olive, oh, the olive juice, like lots of olive juice. You put the oh. olive, so you put the olives, but you put the olive juice in there. That makes it dirty. I love it. Oh, I just thought the bartender wasn't washing his hands or something. I mean, stop it. (laughs) Mantra or quote you live by, I'm going to Laura first. Mine is the serenity prayer. Mm. You know, have the courage to know the difference, what you can change, what you can't. And it just kind of puts things in perspective. Yeah, that brings a lot of comfort to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Gee, what about you? I've been following this one probably my entire adult life. And you've heard it before, but it's my favorite. And it's by Eleanor Roosevelt. It's do one thing every day that scares you. Because for me growing up, I had a wonderful childhood and I had lots of brothers and sisters. There were seven of us. So I always felt protected. When I got out into the world and it kind of started in high school, I was scared of everything. So for me, every day there was something that scared me. Okay, like standing up and speaking in front of people, Um, you know, all kinds of things like that, like being on TV. I've done all of it because I, I just read that quote once and it really stuck with me. If you do one thing every day that scares you, you will become eventually fearless. So true. So true. What makes you feel unstoppable, G? Having no fears. That's really good. That's super cool. It really does. Because I think, Laura, we talked about this yesterday with a guest. The one thing, we were talking to a psychologist who was wonderful. And she said, the one thing that she sees with like almost every patient is that they can't get themselves out of the way. They have something that's stopping them. And it stops them in a lot of areas of life. And it's fear. It's fear of getting found out. It's fear of what might happen if It's fear of what if I am thin, then men will like me. Oh, no. It's all kinds of stuff. So love it. I love it, G. Okay. What about you, Laura? What makes you feel unstoppable? Being consistent makes me feel unstoppable. And when you're consistent with things, and I haven't always been consistent, (laughs) and I'm really trying to get better at it. But even with work, with food, there's a sense of empowerment because it's like, you know that you're doing things that lay on top of one another that will ultimately get you to your goal. hundred percent. Consistency, I think is a hundred percent the game. Who do you most admire, Miss Laura? I admire imperfect people. I admire people who don't, who, who have gone through hard things, but that work through it and find a way to own it and learn from it and grow from it you know, the whole notion of like, we aren't human beings and we don't have hard things that we go through is just not realistic. And, um, I really love like the ownership and people who have gone through difficult things. 
Well, so said. people just that was aren't a gold gold nugget right there you gave us, Laura. That was a little gold um, nugget. Yeah, wait, I'm just going to change my answer. Yeah, change on. your answer, Junior. I could come up with a person, but then no, I don't know. I love that about it. I was like, you know, I love that. I love what you said. Um, Gina, what about you? Who do you most admire? Which is why I wrote two things down. <laughs> uh, well, hands down, my mother. I admire her the most because she literally was a superwoman. Mm. And I could go into a lot of detail, but I mean, not only did she raise seven kids equally. She had a really tough life growing up. She had three brothers that were deaf, and that was really difficult. Her father died young when he was 40. I mean, she saw it, you know? I mean, it just, she, it, and then she was able to raise us equally. Like, we all were treated equally. No favorites. Everybody got equal love, and she was just absolutely amazing. And, and only second to that is, for me, anybody that reaches for their goals but keeps good manners along the way. And, and I really mean that because I've seen, I've had clients who were not celebrities and were not famous when I first started working with them. And then suddenly, like one was working for, I think, an insurance company when I got them as a client and was like trying to be an actor and then became wildly famous and completely changed who he was. Mm. And that was disturbing because I saw that change come gradually. And it was really, it's like, what happened? Mm. Like you were the sweetest, nicest guy and not now, not anymore. Mm. So I love when people can rise and have good manners along the way. I love that too. Okay, Gina, what are you most proud of? A couple of things. I think um, I'm kind of proud of everything that I've accomplished in my career, coming from a career that didn't exist when I started it. And also, of course, Gunner, my son, because we never have any problems with him. Let me knock on my desk. <laughs> He's oh, don't just come over here because Landon's got he's, Landon's got us on a very short leash. So you're very lucky, Gina. What? You're angel of a boy. Oh, he's come on. He's trying my patience. Let me just. I say. want stories. No, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I love Gunner, though. You know I do. So yes, you should be proud of him. He's amazing. All right. What about you, Miss Laura? What are you most proud of? I'm most proud of coming back to love. And it can mean like kids, families, work, relationships, whatever. It's like when you want to throw in the towel or when you want to just like walk out the door, when you come back continually time after time, I I just, I, I'm proud of that personally. And I'm proud of other people who live like that also. Absolutely. All right. For both of you, what is exciting the most right now? Gina. Besides COVID vaccines? <laughs> um, that could be it, because that is exciting. <laughs> well, I would say for me, it's it's the podcast and all the cool places that it's taking us because it's actually opening doors in other areas that we hadn't thought of. And I'm sure you've experienced that too. Plus, Liz, you the groups you've introduced us to, like More Than Me and the Broad Network, have been phenomenal. I just see so much opportunity. Yeah, those, really groups, great. those groups are just everything to me. Having a little safe space to kind of collaborate and meet people and say, I'm thinking of doing this and what are you doing? And not, you know, no competition. I think it's heaven. Okay, what, what do you think, Miss Laura? What's exciting you the most? 
Oh, life is exciting. We are coming out of the pandemic and it just feels like life is happening again, you know, for everyone. And it's just nice to feel that energy of possibilities and the future. And definitely the podcast is super exciting for us, but I'm just excited to like do things again. I mean, amen to that. You know, like... I went to the grocery store for the, I mean, cause I was ordering groceries. I have not, I, before two weeks ago, I had not been to the grocery store since March of 2020. Wow. It's true. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, no, I, took, I'm still ordering my groceries cause I never liked that to begin with. Boop, boop. I mean, yeah. Who is it? I mean, I'm still going to order groceries, but I went to the grocery store and I was like, I could just sit in here all day and just watch people. And I had so many choices of everything. Like it was amazing. And it's just the little things that I'm This is also a mother of young kids. Because when you're a mother of young kids, going to the grocery store is like going to Hawaii. It is. Oh, it's yeah. It's like the whole day. The escape of all escapes for sure. Unless they're with you, then that's a different story. <laughs> then Unless that's with horrible. You. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today. I love you guys so much. Thank you, Liz. Adore you. Thank you so much. Love you too. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.